Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey, everybody. It's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the podcast. Um, super excited today. <laughs> Oh, I love it when I have my really good friends on, and I have a really good friend on today. I've got Nicole Nordeman on the show today, and she's just special in a hundred ways. Um, if you already love Nicole, you know that. If you don't, you're going to see what I'm talking about. So Nicole's this, she's a Dove Award winning singer-songwriter. She's won Female Artist of the Year twice. She's got over a million album sales during her um, career. She's just very, very, very gifted. Um, a reviewer once described her music as putting the intelligent and introspective back into Christian music. And you'll see you'll see what I mean when you listen to her, to her lyrics and to her melody. She calls herself a wrestling poet. Um, just her stuff makes you think. It makes you feel. Um, it's just it's just absolutely beautiful. Her latest record's called Every Mile Mattered, and it is. I mean, it is really a revelation. It's phenomenal. Um, she's got a beautiful song on it called Dear Me that we're going to talk about. It made me sob the first time I heard it. A new version of Slow Down, which you may have already heard or seen the video of with her daughter Pepper. It's the sweetest thing you've ever seen. Um, in fact, the video of Slow Down that Nicole put together has been viewed online over 8 million times. So it's clearly resonating. I'll have all those links for you in the transcript. And She's also a writer, so she's just recently written a book called Slow Down, Embracing the Everyday Moments of Motherhood. I got a chance to contribute an essay for it. It's just lovely. It's funny. It's poignant. It's meaningful. It's it's for all of us moms, no matter where we're at on the journey. You're going to love it. Um, and so, you know... Last year, Nicole and I were on the Belong Tour together, and this year, we're just about to fire up the Moxie Matters Tour, just the two of us, and I'm thrilled about it. I mean, I really couldn't be more thrilled about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit. We'll have all the links up for you, too, but she's just one of those people that I respect, that I enjoy, um, and that I treasure, and a really good friend, really loyal um, very truthful, the exact kind of person I have decided to surround myself with for the rest of my life. And so um, I'm so excited for you to listen to her. If you don't know her, I'm thrilled that you're about to meet her. Um, and she is just a really, really special person in my life. So without any further ado, welcome Nicole Nordeman. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, friend. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I this know. is fun. Thanks for being on this thing Thank with you me. For having me. I'm super excited. Uh, what are you doing this morning? Um, on my third cup of coffee. Yep, same. Um, with a little candle here. It's super rainy and therefore a little bit dark here in Tulsa, Oklahoma this morning. So I'm just feeling cozy. Oh my I gosh. Love rainy dark mornings. I don't know why. That's my favorite environment. Yeah. And I don't know if you're like me, but if I get a cozy, rainy, dark morning, it's like I, I have this internal permission to just not do anything. Whatever I was supposed to do, I'm like, you know what? I can't. It's raining. I know. Like, <laughs> right. I, Same. I just move from one cozy activity to the next. Like, I'll probably start <laughs> reading after we finish talking. I don't know. Maybe watch Netflix. 
I just, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's just something about it says permission granted to have a blanket mm-hmm. and a fourth cup of coffee exactly. and a binge, a good yep. solid Netflix binge. Okay. Um, yep. This is why you and I can never live in a rainy place. <laughs> so How true. do people do anything? We would not have jobs of any No, kind. No. no, no. I can barely answer emails like it is. Um, yep. So, Okay. One fun thing that you and I have coming up that I want to talk about first uh, is we're just just a hot minute away from the Moxie Matters tour, which I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to be on the road with you. And this this is just going to be a good time. It's super, super concentrated. We start on October 24th. We've got 14 dates in what, three weeks? Yeah. Yeah, it's three weeks start to finish. I mean, it yeah. is it is nose to the grindstone there. Um, we're going to have all this up on the websites if you guys um, want to see what cities we're coming to and on what dates and all that. Tickets are super affordable. It's really, really fun. But um, how are you feeling about it? It's it's kind I'm of an adventure. I'm so excited. I am truly excited. And also just um, a little bit blown away by the response. Like people yeah. have just been so gracious and kind of gobbling up these tickets. I think we've sold out six cities, maybe eight cities. I don't know what the last uh, yeah. stat is there, but I mean, like, I'm just really humbled that, um, that our friends are just going to want to come see us and hear us. And I, I can hardly wait. Me too. I, um, I feel the same way. I think we just got a, an email last night saying we had two more cities kind of sold out and, wow. um, we're adding second events where we can to those yeah. cities, but it's it's funny because we sort of went through it was kind of weird mm-hmm. to get to this point like super unexpected you know we were going to be on one tour mm-hmm. and then not <laughs> um and so i mean there was a minute there where we thought okay I, you know i don't know if we're going to have any any space this fall i don't know if we're going anywhere yeah. but what i loved is that you know we sort of banded together and said okay who will have us? Like, yeah. we'll go. Who want? Who who wants to come? Who would? And all these like wonderful churches and leaders and event planners and just women, yeah, just raised their hand and said, "We are gonna let's do this." And they've been working just and working so and working. Humbling, it really is. I know. I it's our sweet friend Glennon who says um, that life doesn't hand you an eviction notice without inviting you into something more beautiful. Exactly. And I just feel like this is gonna be really beautiful. I'm ready to accept the invitation. Same. And I think this one feels a lot like you and I. It's it's simple. It's not a lot of bells and whistles. It's not overly produced or big fancy deal. It's basically a girl with a piano on a stage and a girl (laughs) with a microphone. I think that's what we're doing. I think that's, I've just given you our programming. That is, to me, that is my speed. I know it's your speed too. I'm just all for the unplugged sort of authentic moments and on stage and in person. So I think, I think it's just going to be really, really special. I agree. Let me ask you this, because this is going to, this one thing about the Moxie Matters tour is new to me, and it might not be new to you because you're a musician. Uh, This is going to be my first time to pull off, I guess, like a traditional tour schedule where you're virtually in a different city almost every night with only a couple of breaks in there. You've done this before, right? Yeah, I have. But, you know, for me, it looks a little bit different because I'm usually on a tour bus for those kind of long stretches. Oh, yeah. And so there's something very like, um, 
tell me about your tour bus and your bunk and it sort of becomes your little cocoon for two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. So this will be different for me too, because it's hotels and airports and different cities. And, you know, there's not like, um, the constant thread of, of, you know, what happens on a tour that's normalizing. So yeah, I don't think it'll be an adventure. I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to be really intentional about, self-care because <laughs> exactly. I know you will too because that's that's a pretty grueling schedule but I think we'll be so energized by just the people that we meet and then the folks we get to encounter and the moments that we have I think that will fuel us a bunch I think so too and I you know three weeks start to finish I feel like we're just going to dig deep. It's going to be fun together. You know, we've got a great team around us mm-hmm. and we've got Noah. Noah's playing with us, right? Yes. Our- no Needleman. He is just He's just gold. He's such a, yes. he's just such a precious person, but also such a gifted artist. So I can't wait to introduce people to his music as well. He's exactly. Really, really good. He really is. He's a true, true talent and, and he's funny. You know, we need so funny. funny. We need funny. We're going to spend a lot of time together. We need funny people who yeah. are normal. <laughs> we need no unnormal, not funny no, people. No. Um, anybody who, in a writer, like yes. just no humorless people allowed right. in the green room. We'd like for you to do like a five minute bit for us and then we're going to decide (laughs) if that's like high caliber enough to like handle the road. Um, Anybody who came and saw us on the Belong Tour last year knows who Noah is. Noah um, sort of led the house band. He was on guitar, um, kind of this scruffy, you know, millennial looking guy. Yes. Yes. He's amazing. He is really, he's just so gifted and so gets us. Like if he could put up with us all last year, then I think. He's good. I mean, really, that's so he deserved a lot of prizes Mm -hmm. for getting to the end of that. Speaking of last year, so, um, on, you know this, but on the very first episode of this podcast, um, Shauna was on and we, um, I just I threw this at her because it was just it's it's one of my favorite memories <laughs> from the Belong Tour. I mean, it really is. If I had to pick I three, this is in my top three here. memories mm-hmm. of the Belong Tour. And I just I kind of want everybody to hear it in your words because you know you have this like I, the, when I talk, I'm over the top, I'm demonstrative, I'm loud, and I'm I'm pushy. I love when you tell a story because you tell it in your beautifully calm voice and it's like sleeper humor like all of a sudden you just zing us with the most hilarious thing right about the time I wanted to lay my head in your lap and like have you stroke my hair with your voice um, will you tell everybody this story that I'm talking about about Ken's mom because oh, I mean it was gold I'm it was just, just gold still haunted still wake up in cold sweats um so on this tour that we were on together, I, I spoke for the first time, um, like I had a little speaking segment that was not musically related. I wasn't behind a piano, I wasn't storytelling and singing and all that stuff. It was more like I had a, a slot where I stood with a microphone and talked, which was really scary for me. So one of the things that I spoke about in my little segment was um, about just kind of uh, revealing and, and exposing things that we have been hiding in our life, secrets that have sort of grown bigger in the shadows. And to illustrate that, um, I told a story about my dear friends, uh, Ken and Shannon, who have been just lifer friends for a long, long time and had gone through a difficult season when um, Ken's mom had passed away. And, you know, she lived alone in her house for like 50 years, 
kind of a hoarder, really, like just had so, so much stuff. And Ken was really dreading going through her home and the garage, not just because the task was so unbearable in terms of getting through her stuff, but also because they'd had a hard relationship and he wasn't really looking forward to unearthing, you know, just childhood memories and just stuff that was going to dig up emotional trauma for him. So he's telling me this story. And the story ends really with... um, with Ken and Shannon just deciding to go over there. He'd been avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. And Shannon basically finally encourages him to just go open the garage one time, take a look, assess all the stuff that's in there. And then, you know, let's just roll up our sleeves and get through it. And of course the ending is, you know, once we just face it and let the light in and expose what's hidden, then it's not that bad. Okay. So that's the, there's the story itself. So I told that story um, probably six or seven times. Easy. On our At tour. least half the tour. Yeah. Yes. And it's emotional and you know, it's um it was sad. Like Ken Ken and his mom have kind of a sad story. And so we got to Dallas where my friend Shannon lives, and she and all my girlfriends in Dallas came to the show, the the tour, and then we all went out later for lunch. And so over lunch they're all acting weird and they're being sweet. Like that was just, Nicole, that was beautiful. And, you know, I'm so proud of you for like talking without being by the piano, blah, blah, blah. And it just gets really awkwardly, like just kind of tense at the table. And I'm like, basically I'm like, what? And Shannon (laughs) kind of reaches over and grabs my hand and kind of squeezes it a little bit. And she's like, I just thank you so much for honoring Ken and I with that story, you know, and for sharing that, that was really powerful. I just needed you to know that um, his mom is still alive. (laughs) And (laughs) she's in an assisted living home, but she's actually still with us. Oh, I've just been I, telling thousands of women across oh. the country that Ken's mom was dead, and she's no, we grieved her. We really did. I and grieved the, her. The best part was that as my girlfriends are hearing me tell the story in real time, I get to the part where Ken's mom died, and they all <laughs> reach for Shannon like, "How did we not know this? We are the worst friends on the planet." Like they're hugging her and embracing <laughs> her, like, "Oh my God, we had no idea." Yeah, well, that's because she's living. So. That's right. I, we just were there yesterday. Um, <laughs> yep. So that was a proud, proud special moment. I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you texted us like late that night after you were with your friends. You texted us all. We're all in our hotel rooms in our, in our bed. I almost rolled off the bed. I, I just think it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. And I'm so, so happy that so it happened beautiful. to you. So I mean, beautiful. so amazing. Um, it's so funny because when you're, when you sort of do a tour like that, basically almost every weekend with maybe just two off from start to finish. There's just shenanigans. Like we meant, you know, we meant to do this really polished, you know, and professional deal. But I mean, just, it was just, it was just crazy. One thing after another. Um, I do remember one hilarious moment. You know, the thing is in an arena tour, which are bonkers anyways, but there's, you know, the, there's cameras everywhere, like super high def, and they put them up on the big screens, you know, because you're in the, we're in the middle, but we look small. And, right, right, right. Um, to, I do remember at one point you're, you're doing one of your sets at the piano. Oh my God. <laughs> and of course, from afar, this would just never, ever be a deal. But with these 
HD cameras <laughs> zoomed in on her face. And, you know, one one of your eyelashes, one of your sets of eyelashes is just fluttering off. Uh-huh. Like, it's just, just fluttering off. Is, like, it is. Yeah. You know, it, and it's right on you, and you're singing with all your feeling, and and your eyelash just starts just drooping I, down. And I'm I, Sean and I are dying. We're watching. We're like, just. I wish you could just stick a pinky oh up and just gosh. like shove it on real fast. That's distracting. I know. And then when I got off stage, because of course I could feel it happening. Anyone who's worn yeah. pink eyelashes knows when something's gone awry. Right. And um, I leaned over to Shauna, and I was like did that like look like crazy on camera? And of course, bless her heart. She's like, Oh my gosh, no, no. I mean, right. just a little, like a little, bit. just a moment. I was like, why did the cameraman not just cut to my hands or something or zoom out? Like, why are you no. on my face for 30 minutes of eyelash crisis? And of course, Shauna has all the grace that I lack. And she's like, no, like, I don't even think anybody knows. And I'm like, your eyelash was falling down your face the whole time. Zero chill. Just absolutely no finesse at all. That's um, just how it is. And that's bound, we're bound to have this stuff go down on this tour, too. Oh, and I kind of hope for it. I kind of hope for it. I mean, here we come. Here we come. So, like, let's talk about something else. You, um... I've, I told you last year, you make me mad because you, I guess, are just going to be good at everything. I guess that's just how it's going to be with you, and there's nothing anybody else can do about it. And what nice. was so funny is, you know, we've essentially made you speak. You know, you mm-hmm. wanted to just play your sets and do your thing, and we're like, you're such a storyteller. If you can sing it, you can say it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you were so, uh, truly, I, I'm, I've told you this too, but... I had friends come to the tour last year, the Blanc tour in almost every city. And with almost no exceptions, they were like, you know what, Jen? It was good to see you and glad, <laughs> glad you're here. But the absolute highlight of the tour was Nicole. Oh, <laughs> like, was, thanks, everybody. Well, it was Ken's mom's death, but I think really put it over the top. Well, I think it did that too. But, um, but speaking of, like, you just kind of putting your hand to several different spaces and different genres you've just written a book it's awesome it's called slow down I was I loved to get to contribute um an essay to it can can you um can you tell everybody about it just what it how it came to be why you wanted to do this what they could expect out of it I mean it's really lovely thank you thank you and thanks so much for contributing to like that was such a special part of getting to to put the book together was um asking people who I admire so greatly and, and admire their parenting to contribute little nuggets of wisdom and stories. And, um, the book really, um, was accidental as was the song, as was the video, like the whole thing just was never meant to be like, um, an actual offering outside of my own family. I wrote this slow down song for my son, Charlie, when he was graduating from the fifth grade um, they asked me to sing a little song at the ceremony. I had no idea what do you sing to middle schoolers. Um, and then literally the night before graduation, I just sat down at my piano and made the grave mistake of opening mm. photo albums and just kind of walking down memory lane. And this song and a lot of Kleenex, you know, just kind of spilled out of me. And so I sang it the next morning at the ceremony, never intended it to be anything more than that. Um, but people who are much smarter than me can convince me to record it because it is such a universal cry of a parent's heart is that we just cannot slow down or freeze time. And especially in the moments that we want to most. 
So um, I recorded the song, and then we just did this very low-budget kind of home video thing where we took footage of our dearest friends and their kiddos or asked them to send it in, and we just kind of spliced together footage of, um, of our kiddos. So mm-hmm. that just was a crazy sort of viral moment. Yes. Didn't expect I mean, that. I'll say it's it's been seen online 8 million times. Yeah, that's so, so I would call that viral. Weird. It was so weird and wonderful just to realize, okay, this really is kind of a universal experience. And um, so from that came this book. I just thought, you know, I I wanted to just go a little bit deeper and maybe do a little bit more reflecting on my own parenting, especially in those early years. Um, some of the mistakes that I made or some of the roads that I traveled that I, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now, that kind of thing. Encouragement to new moms who are in the trenches, stuff like that. So it was just, you know, it's a series of essays about, um, about my parenting and, and the moments that I have cherished the most. Mm. Um, it's so good. It's um, it's an it's a mix of incredibly tender, and poignant, and funny, and relatable. I mean, Thank you, Jen. it will um, make people sob as much as the video. Speaking of that video, <laughs> you know, you played that song on the tour last year mm-hmm. with with the video playing alongside of it. And I mean to tell you, um, out of 12 cities, I got through it zero times. Oh. I mean, zero times. You would think by time 10 that I would have developed some chops for it, right? Like <laughs> at the, how at that point I should have been able to sit there like a normal person. But you know, right? right. When that dumb video gets to the point where the, um, the dad walks in and see, sees his daughter in her wedding dress. Right, right. I cannot. Right. I, it was mean. Well, in I felt fairness, like it was mean. you were sending your firstborn to college, so we should have just made you leave the room every time. <laughs> That's that a good that point. That nice. That's true. I was really fragile. Yes. But, I mean, it was always funny to look around at an arena full of women and in unison, like in unison, <laughs> every one of their hands are reaching for tissues and oh. passing them down. It was so, it's just so beautiful. I mean, this is your, um, this is your craft. This is your, mm. this is your gift. You have this, it's, it's an uncanny gift at telling a story, using language, putting it to music in such a way that I mean, the staunchest cynic cannot (laughs) avoid it. Hey guys, just a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just want to tell you one quick little offer um, that our friends over at audible.com have for you, my listeners. So this is what Audible's offering you, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. Just to give you the chance to check out their services, if you don't already love them, they're amazing. Um, you're going to love Audible. You can get a free audiobook just for trying it out. You can check out my books over there if you want them. I recorded them both myself. It's like me reading to you. You could listen to the last one, which is For the Love, or the latest one, which is of Mess and Moxie. And if not those, there are so many other titles available over there. Um, and you could listen to any one of them for free. So here's what you do. To download your free audiobook today, you just go to audibletrial.com backslash hatmaker. That simple. Audible trial dot com backslash hatmaker for your free audiobook. Hope you love it. 
did I text you this? I can't remember if I did. I think that I did. Um, one of our pastors that we work with um, here at, ch- at our church in Austin, cynical, kind of came out of the sort of Christian subculture, you know, that we know. Uh-huh. You and I both grew up in it, too. Uh-huh. And has kind of this resistance to all of it. So kind of anti-establishment at this yes. point yeah. and, uh, you know, burn the machine. Anyway, he uh, sent me a text when your CD came out and he was like, dang it. Dang it. Oh, you didn't Nicole, tell me that. That's did so I not? Neat. He's like, he's like, this, this. CD feels like a revelation. Oh my God. Um, so, I mean, you, you, nobody, nobody can resist you. So congratulations. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the whole idea of slow down because I, I'd love, I'd love for you to talk for just a minute about how even that, just the whole concept yeah. of slowing down um, yeah. manifested in your own life. Because as anybody knows who has followed you for years, when did you, when did you first start? What was your very first year? The very first, um, CD came out in 98. So it's yeah. almost 20 years. Yeah. Holy moly. So, you know, you've been on the Christian music scene for two decades, Yeah, um, almost two decades. And, I mean, really and truly, every, we, everybody knew, knew your music. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody was listening to you and following you. And CD after CD or album after album, what's the term? Is it album? I say album still. Sometimes Is that I what we record. say? Yeah. Project. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I okay. So anything's acceptable. You had a million hits, awards, all of it. And I mean, lots of awards. And then you kind of, you took a break. Yeah. You, you stepped away. Like, that was a really big decision and weighty. Can you just, can you talk about that season a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I kind of stepped away at the height of everything. I remember having coffee with my manager the morning after I had, um, I think I won like four or five double words, like the night before in Nashville. And, you know, as you know, like anytime you experience, um, success, it's always because there are a team of people behind you who have been working tirelessly. And, and I had a team who had just been since I, since I first started, just really, really behind me, really working hard. Um, so supportive. And so it was really jarring, uh, for them too, Mm. when I decided not just to sort of pull back, but to really straight up hit the brakes. I just, um, in, in truth, it it was because my marriage was falling apart. Um, and I absolutely didn't feel like I could give my career the attention that I knew it deserved in my ministry Mm -hmm. and also my marriage that was on life support, um, after even just a very short time. So I, I, I wasn't really public about that part of it because I just didn't feel like that needed to be a big story or a distraction. Mm -hmm. I just stopped. I said, I'm done. I'll finish, I'll finish the, um, obligations that are on my calendar, obviously, but then I need to stop. Um, mm. cause I just felt, I just felt so, um, broken and unable to continue this like persona of Nicole Nordeman and mm. at, at the same time, just falling apart personally. So I took 10 years off. Um, yeah. 10 years. I think the story that I told myself and others was that, you know, I wanted to stay home with my, my little ones. And that absolutely was, was true as well. Like I didn't want to miss a moment. I didn't want to be on the road. I didn't, I I had friends and peers who 
manage to juggle those things really beautifully and take mm-hmm. nannies on the road and homeschool on tour buses. And I just knew that was never going to be part of my story. So I just, mm-hmm. I just decided to 100% step out of artistry and touring and recording and just stay at home and try to put things back together and, and be there for my little ones. So, mm. yeah. So coming out of that season, yeah. making music again, um, has been just like getting back on a bike and trying to remember how it all works and believe that I'm supposed to still be creating and just trusting that God will make that really clear. How did you know it was time to kind of get back on the bike? Um, I don't know that there was a moment. I think I just knew I had worked through enough stuff and I'd done a lot of, after my divorce, just a lot of um, counseling and mm-hmm. just the hard work of healing and finding center again. And actually just, it took a long time for me just to even believe again that I had, I had music to write once more mm-hmm. and that God was still having things to say through me. And I wasn't super convinced of that for a long time. So I think, I don't know if it was just more of a kind of a slow realization, like, okay, I don't think I'm done yet. I think I have mm-hmm. more to say. Um, and hopefully there are people who would still want to hear what I had to say. I um, have listened to your music both before and after mm-hmm. the 10-year hiatus. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know I know for a fact that all your other listeners and fans would completely agree with me when I say that those 10 years served you so well because mm-hmm. your music now, your music has always been beautiful. You're a poet you're a storyteller, you're just, you're gifted, but, um, your music these last couple of years have just been just beyond, mm-hmm. honestly, beyond the, the, the depth to which you're reaching, the things that you're writing about. Um, if you could just d- generally put your hands around or s- sort of describe, what would you say in those 10 years? Cause 10 years is a lot that mm-hmm. it, at our age, that's a huge chunk of our adult yeah. life. Um, a lot happens in 10 years. We change a lot. We grow a lot. We learn a lot. Um, shoot. I mean, I'm 43 and at 33, I had completely different thoughts in my head. Um, what would you, how would you say that you've, I don't know if change is the right word. I'm not trying to make it dramatic, but what, what sort of, how have you developed in those 10 years? Um, and how is that kind of affecting your music now? Well, you know, at the risk of um, sounding dark, because I don't think the music I'm making is dark, Um, but I think, uh, as you know, like pain is just a great clarifier and a great teacher. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would would listen to my early music, early recordings, and definitely hear hear, um, honesty, Mm -hmm. but also I, I can hear myself creating songs um, out of expectation of, from others. Sure. This is what needs to be a radio single. And this is, yeah. this is what, um, you know, this was, this represents my life growing up in the church and my life as a mm-hmm. Christian. And this is just kind of what's expected. And I think at this point in my life, I don't know if it's um, the painful miles that I've traveled or it, or mm-hmm. it just comes with age. I think, yeah. you know, you hear so many people say, man, in your forties, you just, you just, it's the great sifter. Like you just sift Mm. and, and what is left is really kind of who you are. 
when you let go of all the other stuff. So I, I feel like there's been a lot of sifting. Mm. Um, I know myself more now. It seems like it. And and a lot of your, your lyrics right now are, they're so beautiful and um, they're generous and kind to that process. Mm. And I love that about mm. specifically your latest album, just the, the sort of generosity of spirit that you have offered to the to the path, to the journey, yeah. to the to the growth. I, you know, Dear Me is obviously hitting everybody's note. I mean, it's so kind, just the kindness to which you went back and talked to your old, your younger yeah. self. Yeah. It's it's sort of how we would talk to anybody else who's younger than us yeah. except ourselves. Right, that's right. And it's so I I love it because um I don't know how I don't know if if you can relate to this but when I was sort of going through uh, spiritual upheaval in my 30s, when a lot, uh, I just was asking a lot of hard questions mm-hmm. and and having to sort of dismantle some things that I had built and relearning uh, what I think was some spiritual garbage that I had ingested. And mm-hmm. everything just sort of felt, um, it felt a little tumultuous. Yeah. And and so when I go back now and I, I I read some of my some of my words that I wrote during that season, they're um, intense. They're a little bit angry. Mm. They're kind of like burn this mother down. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little bit self righteous. Um, I very uh, the the tone of it is not the tone that I would strike now. The tone now um, is that. Oh, there's just so much more grace for that. There's yes. grace for hard questions. There's grace for changing. Yeah. Um, there's grace for getting it wrong, but when we were trying really hard. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I think you're setting a good example for people um, in in a in a generous spirit that Thank we you. can we can see people who are in one place and be kind about it yeah. instead of just awful about it and mean and judgmental yeah. and and I love that. I, I really, really love that tone in your new album. I think it's beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that. I do think that um, self-compassion is is a new part of the journey for me. I just, mm. uh, and I think it's critical to have self-compassion before you have compassion for other people and where they are, where they might seem to be stuck or, you know, those moments like you mentioned where you tend to feel um, where you want to be self-righteous or preachy or uh, even rage against ideas and um, strongholds that you identify yeah. in other people. But I think the act of really being compassionate for your own journey and, and looking back, like that is, that's not something we do naturally. Everything is forward mm. motion. Everything is what's next. I've gone through that and now what's this and what's ahead mm. and strive, strive, strive. And the, the, the art of reflection, I feel like spiritually is a, is a bit lost. And that's where I was. Uh, when I was writing these songs is I just, I wanted to look backward and not forward, really just take inventory of where I've been, as you said, with a lot of grace for that girl back there that Mm. um, said things and maybe believed things and articulated things in a way that I would not articulate the same way now. Um, So I think that there is, it's just an, it's an interesting exercise, especially that song, Dear Me. I just, Mm-hmm. I always encourage people who have been moved by that song to sit down and write themselves a letter. Mm. It's such a power. Oh, I love that. Just take a second, write yourself 
letter from, you know, your 10-year-ago self, 20-year-ago self, and mm-hmm. what would you say to that person about where you are now? We're going to have links up to all this, but can you talk a little bit about Dear Me mm-hmm. and the, th- the things that you chose to say to your younger self yeah. and um, the kind words that you offered her and it's just sort of the writing of that song? Well, I, um, I've always talked a lot about growing up in the church and growing up in Christian home and in, I went to a Christian school for all of my education. Like I just literally was that person who lived, um, very comfortably in a bubble in which like nobody in my world didn't share my same belief system and faith and language for it. So, um, and I want to be really careful to, 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 uh, state my gratitude for that. Like I just have a lot Mm. of Oh, I'm really thankful for the foundation, really thankful to my parents and my teachers and my pastors and everybody on that path. But right. for those of us who've walked that road, like it's, it is, um, it's not where the real world, it's not, mm. you know, life is not a script and you don't engage That's people right. with a Q and a, and here's the answers that I know I'm supposed to give and the questions they're supposed mm. to act, ask. And it just never works that way. Right. And so I think I wrote dear me kind of, just nodding to that girl a little bit. Like I know, I I remember when you thought that, that faith was about praying a magic prayer Mm. and securing, um, you know, a mansion in the sky and, um, and then a little older, like I just was so sheltered and so privileged. I didn't know how to speak to injustice. I didn't know how to speak to racial, racial reconciliation. I didn't know. I just lived in the constructs that, that were built for me comfortably And so now I, you know, this song is just about looking, looking back and, um, apologizing to myself, to God, Mm -hmm. to those around me for getting a lot of those things wrong and, and forging a path ahead to make them right. Mm. I mean, it's, um, the first time I heard it, I sobbed, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I share a lot of history. We, our, our childhood was similar. Mm -hmm. Our, um, sort of dismantling had a lot of similar elements to it. And, and so I feel like one thing that I'm so drawn to you right now, I'm, I I feel like you're doing this really, really well. I, I respect your leadership. I respect your choice of language. Um, uh, the way in which you do it is, is specifically the way you are speaking to injustice now. And that's a big theme in your music um, on Every Mile Mattered. And it's it's important. It's really important. And I think there's, um, we see different styles of leadership uh, speaking out against injustice and, and power right now. And I would say some styles are, um, well, they're intense, mm-hmm. but I don't know how effective they are because they're so abrasive and it's, it's so, it's so, um, um, just contentious and yeah. so incredibly angry and it, and it, it burns a lot of the space in which dialogue might occur, mm-hmm. except now it's scorched earth, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's afraid to ask a question or to have the conversation. But the way that I see you leading right now um, is it's gentle, but it's firm. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it doesn't compromise um, the pursuit of justice for human beings, but you do it in a way 
that is inviting people into the story. And I really, really respect it. You know, recently um, over on on your Facebook page, you, um, you did an amazing thing. I shared it. Everybody did. Uh, you wrote, you know, getting to know your Muslim neighbor in 20 easy steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody listening, I'm going to have a link to this on uh, the transcript so you can so you can read it. But um, the very first step just tells us how burdened you were, mm-hmm. like just to make this happen for you, for your kids mm-hmm. um, and figuring out what to do. So this is what you said in step one. Ask yourself for several years how to reach out or even find a Muslim neighbor. Worry that your sheltered children could be subtly absorbing Islamophobia. Wring your hands and worry about appropriateness and awkwardness. Ask people around you who also have no idea. Keep doing this for an absurdly long time. It's so good because <laughs> I, your approach there is so, um, it's so human mm. and it's so accessible. It's so relatable. And of course the rest sort of cataloged your journey. Yeah. I mean, everything from like Googling do Muslims eat chicken. Right. <laughs> And just and hilarious and vulnerable and self-aware that you didn't know what you were doing, but you wanted to. Can you yeah. just can you talk about just that piece that you wrote yeah. and what that has looked like actually in your life? I think that um, one thing that I always struggle with is I feel like there's always a huge gap, a huge space between um, wanting change and and being an advocate for like doing it. Yes. So like that's the absurdly long time. Like I, for a long time have just wrestled with, okay, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is a wonderful place to live and raise a family. My kids go to a Christian school very much like the one I went to where everybody looks very much the same and is, you know, in the same sort of socioeconomic situation. And so I just, this longing for like, how am I going to a expose my kids to um, a lot of wonderfully rich vibrant, diverse culture in this yeah. space. And how do I protect them from just all the fear, the fearful rhetoric that it, that is everywhere? Like just always be afraid of other, be afraid of other, be afraid of other. And I know that they yes. are somehow absorbing that even at their young ages. So yeah, so I just, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like I just live in that. How do I fix this space forever? And then just realizing how simple it is to like just do something. And for me, yeah. that looked like um, going online, finding an Islamic center that was um, having literally that same evening, having a benefit, um, a wonderful organization of Muslim women here in Tulsa who serve people who are vulnerable and in need. And they serve without, like they serve Christians, they serve every race, they serve every economic, like they're just here to serve Tulsa. So we went, um, the man I'm dating and I went to this unbelievable fundraiser and we're just so deeply humbled by how generous and kind people were. And that turned into me inviting a handful of these strangers to my home for lunch. I grabbed a couple girlfriends and said, let's make lunch for these women. I want to know more about how to build bridges in our community. And it was easy. That's the thing. Like it was just easy. And so that was the lesson for me moving forward was stop talking about it. Stop wringing your hands about how will I, you know, what, how do I do this appropriately? Like who cares? Just do it. Yeah. Cause then as it turns out, they're like, uh, just women and moms Uh, and wives, like, 
Yes. We have a billion things in common. It's not this big mystery, no. like whatever will we talk about? Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about getting these kids back into school. That's exactly, you know? exactly right. In fact, we were in Target just a few weeks ago and there was a woman, a Muslim woman um, with her hajib on and Pepper said, mommy, look, she's wearing uh, the scarf like your friends. You know, mm, I, thought, I love it. And there it is. The word yeah. friends. That's what I was going for. That's, and that's what the table does for us. Yeah. Um, you know, we've said this a thousand times that if you can put on a pot of chili, then you can build a bridge. That's it's it. just, it's not hard. It's not magic. Nope. Um, it is. I, I really, I think you set a really, really good example there because specifically with our Muslim friends and neighbors, that, that bridge is tricky. It, it is. is. And from the Christian community, and it's one that not very many people are, are willing to explore right. or to make mistakes or try. And so, I mean, that, that, and it, of course it resonated. Your response to that was so overwhelming. Mm. I mean, it was shared far and wide and generated so much good conversation. And I loved it. Um, you put a little, um, just dropped it. It was just a tiny little pin you put in the story about the man you're dating. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Just a little pin. Just a little. Yes. It's, um, it's been such a gift. I just, I think I, for a long time, just didn't think that, um, being in a relationship, would be a part of my story ever again. And I was kind of fine with that. Like, I'm just going to put my head down and work hard and raise these wonderful children. And I just didn't think that there would ever be space and room in my heart again for love. So it's just been um, the most wonderful surprise. Oh, he is so wonderful. It's just magical. I'm, you know, I'm bananas about him. <laughs> just, it's embarrassing almost. <laughs> I'm so, he's just so great he and is. you're so great together mm-hmm. and everybody's so happy about it that yeah. I'm just thrilled. How old are your kids right now? Charlie is 14, just started uh-huh. eighth grade and Pepper Sorry. is um, eight and just started the third grade. How, um, how is their beginning of school started? How is eighth grade? Eighth grade, you're the king of the hill. Man, you're the oldest senior. so much senior. better than last year. Yeah. Yeah, last year was just rough. My goodness. Yeah, seventh grade. Seventh sucked. grade was the worst year in yeah. our in our home too. For, for almost for every kid. Yep, yeah. almost every kid. Yeah, I, and this year is way different. Yeah, I, I like I like eighth grade. Eighth grade is where they start somewhere in eighth grade. Sometimes it's right around December in my experience, hmm. but they just start pulling through that crushing awkwardness that they've been doing for two years. (laughs) You know, we're just like, talk normal. Why are you, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you talking like that? Why are you being like this? Um, and all of a sudden you're like, how, Oh, there you you. are. There you are. are. You're back. You're back. Yes. And then it just gets better and better. Like I think I'll be interested to see your opinion as you head into high school next year. Um, and see what your thoughts are. But I feel like high school kids are really fun. I've always been so encouraged by um, the stuff that you've written about about having teenagers because I do think there's this sort of lie that we're all fed, like it's just going to be horrible. And so just brace for awful and get ready because here comes the hormonal assault and your kids will hate you and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like you have been such a a light... um, you know, just in anticipating those years because it's been so much fun for your family and you have loved those years connecting with your kids. And so that's, that's a huge encouragement to me as I'm a little bit behind you on the path. 
I always wonder about these people who are like, enjoy it now because when they're in high school, right. you're going to hate yourself. Right. Like, lady, lady, what are you doing here? What is your major malfunction? Like, just zip that up. And at people least. who can't Don't wait for their it. kids to go to college. I'm like, um, I'm going to be hanging onto ankles, dragging down the road. Let me tell you, sobbing. Well, you saw, you saw me last year. Oh, yes. Um, do you remember that, um, on our very first, the very first oh, um, tour date yes, in Columbus, yes. that was the weekend that Gavin was moving into college. So, first of all, our our everything is so off the rails. You know, we're like, it's our first time. Everybody's nervous. We haven't worked out any of the kinks. Um, and so we're going to have a Friday and a Saturday event. And then I am catching a flight to fly to Lubbock. I'm supposed to get there at like midnight. On Saturday night and moved Gavin in all day Sunday. And of course, we were in Columbus and there was this awful weather. And I got this notice half like in the Saturday morning, your flight's canceled. Do you remember? Yeah. And I was in the green room sobbing oh like, gosh. no, no, I can't do it. I, I'm good. I've got to go. And already like my emotions are so all like oh. off the charts already. Right. And so I remember calling in Columbus um, the airline and saying, basically, you have to get me to Lubbock. I don't care if you fly me the other side of the world. Right. Like if we have to route through Canada, uh -huh. <laughs> like just, I need you to get me to Lubbock because um, my kid is moving in and we get one day. There's one day when he moves into college, there is no possible redo. And this guy is like, uh, I, I can't do it. There's weather. There's no connecting flight that'll get you there. I just, I, there's the only way I can get you there is late Sunday night. And I remember sitting there in that green room in Columbus on that tour and bawling. I and I said, totally listen, I need you. I told this man, I need you to go get me a mom. I need a mom on this phone Did you really? and she is going to help me. And so he, bless him. I mean, I think he gladly passed me off. <laughs> um, he was like, no problem, lady. Um, passed me to some woman and by golly, she got me there by 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my, you know how well I was doing. My point is uh, my kids are going to college and I'm basically threatening to assault a young man at American yeah. Airlines yes. if he can't get me there. That's so I've yes. totally forgotten about the timing of all that. <laughs> just terrible. I think I came home that next Monday because the next day our all of our kids started school. So there's a lot going on in four days, right? <laughs> I got the kid the kids all to school on Monday and I slept for like ten hours. Oh, I'm sure. I went to bed in the morning and slept for ten hours. That was a really long story. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> Why am I telling that long story? Um so I want to um I want to tell you that I read a quote from you that said that if you were going to be remembered for any one thing that you hoped it would be for loving people well. Um, but you also have said, I've heard you say this, that um, you're not necessarily or haven't always been really open about letting people love you. Yeah. You know, that you, that, that, that's can be a one way street for you. Yeah. Um, what would you say about that? Has anything changed in that regard? And and how have you sort of, how have you navigated that tricky, vulnerable space mm -hmm. to, to being loved? I think it's not, um, I think it'll be a lifelong struggle, honestly. Yeah. I think it's just more of a gradual chipping away for me and, and not just um, 
I don't think I'm ever going to wake up one day and just be the most open, Mm. vulnerable person. It really is an act of discipline for me to be in relationship and to choose to ask for help, to choose to tell the truth about things that are easy to hide like that, you know, and I have friends who, um, I would say my dearest friends are very much the opposite. They are like hard on your sleeve, Mm-hmm. Um, never an unexpressed thought or emotion. And so mm-hmm. there is there is imbalance in those friendships sometimes and frustration because it can feel like, well, I'm just here for them and I'm the one who um, is a good listener. I'm the one who's, t- you know, receiving all of their vulnerability, but not ever reciprocating. And so it can feel a little bit like, hey, it'd be nice if you had a crisis once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had those hard conversations with some of my best friends. So it's, and it's not that I'm not in crisis. It's just that I'm not talking about it. Right. I go, I just go very internal, um, mm. and a little underground. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just going to be one of those things that I will spend my life having to wake up every morning and sort of choose, choose vulnerability. It's not, it does not mm. come natural to me, but it is such a gift when you allow somebody to love you well. It is. And I will say that my assessment of your, of your album, of Every Mile Mattered, it's so vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's so tender. And I feel like you showed so many like beautiful parts of your story and your heart and um, your path. And in fact, I was um, just this morning, I was reading somebody's review of, of the album mm-hmm. and it was, I'm sure you've read it, but it was so like, Whoa. He said um, two things about you that I agreed with wholeheartedly and I thought were so flattering and such a wonderful thing to say about your music. He said, first of all, um, that you are perhaps the most thought-provoking, faith-based storytelling treasure since the late Rich Mullins, which, you know, those of us who grew up in Christian music know what a what a beautiful compliment that is. That is a um, you know, Rich, Rich did something really unique in his time. And so to be compared to sort of his brand yeah. of storytelling was, and then the other thing that he said that I was like, stop, <laughs> is um, he was talking about specifically Dear Me mm-hmm. um, on the album. And he said, um, Dear Me is destined to be Nicole's purple rain. Oh, All right, that's just enough. <laughs> and then he said, if, if not a bedrock of the entire genre. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's really, that's really high praise and it's deserved. Thank you. It's deserved. It's so gorgeous. I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to be on the road with you this fall as this is the music you're going to share. I mean, um, I've told all my friends, they're all coming. And I'm like, <laughs> don't even come for me. Come for Nicole. <laughs> Nicole alone. That's, what, that's, you can like, that's why all my friends are coming for you. So that will work out really well. <laughs> It's just so, it's such a gift to the world. And um, I'm just, I'm really proud of it. And I'm proud of you. And I can't wait to do this with you. So let's wrap this up here. A couple of quick little questions, just down and dirty. These can be serious or they can be not. Okay. Um, So this, this is, we're nearing the end of this series called For the Love of of Moxie. Mm -hmm. And you have it in, you know, spades. And so can you just say just quickly, like, a stream of consciousness. Um, what's a what's a messy moment that you've had where you kind of push through? Oh my gosh! 
I don't no, I know. Even, I mean, my whole life is a messy moment. I don't, <laughs> there are so many. Like I just last Sunday played an entire, um, morning worship service and uh-huh. with my shirt on inside out and backwards. Didn't know until after. Uh, so yeah. Inside out and backwards. And backwards. Tag. Wow. Front. Backwards. Wow. Um, and it, you know, it was 8 a.m., so no one should have to be singing at that hour. But, yeah, oh. so, yeah I don't know. I have, like, 1,000 of those kind of messy moments. They're, they're constant. They're just constant. That's hilarious. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more. Um, this is what Barbara Brown Taylor asks, and it can be anything at all. Okay. Uh, what is saving your life right now? What is saving my life? You know, I think, um, I think self-care is saving Mm. my life. And that is a new concept for me in my 40s. I just am trying to think really holistically about everything in my life, what I put in my body, what I put in Mm. my mind, the words that I put in front of my eyeballs, like what, what choices am I making that are really feeding my soul? Mm-hmm. Um, in every way. And that I've just never been good at that. Like I'm, I'm the crash dieter my whole life and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm the quick fix and I'm all that stuff. Like I just, I feel like I'm really slowing down in some really wonderfully intentional ways to say, how can I take care of myself, which will help me take care of the people around me that I love. And a lot of people mastered yeah. that a long time ago, but it's brand new for me. That's perfect. How wonderful. Maybe you can teach me some of your ways. <laughs> I shall. As we hit the road. And I can't wait, friend. Oh I really gosh, can't. I can't I'm wait to sit so beside you. Excited. I know. Can't wait to pray with you. Can't wait to serve with you. Yes. yes, um, yes. And travel with you. And we're both like textbook introverts. And yes. so I love that because at the end of the night, we can be like, bye. <laughs> Let's go take a our hotel rooms. That's it. And there's nobody's going to feel bad about that. Nope. Um, Absolutely not. So, okay. I just, I love you dearly. I love you. Thank um, you for this. This has been absolutely. so much fun. And you're just Thanks amazing you for everything. I love it. All right, sister. I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> I just love her so much. Oh, I can't wait uh, to travel with her on the Moxie Matters Tour. We are so excited to see you guys. I hope you're coming. Um, I'll have the link up for you. You can see all the cities that we're coming to. You can get your tickets. They're really affordable. Grab your friends and come see us. Um, I promise you it'll be meaningful. I promise you we're going to laugh. There is a 100% chance you're going to cry because Nicole's stuff is so powerful. Um, And so we're thrilled about it. We're thrilled to come see you. Um, And I'm just thrilled to have you here. Thanks for joining us week after week on this podcast. I'm having the most amount of fun. Um, we love your reviews. We love your feedback. We love it all. Um, we've heard so many great things from you and you've given us some fabulous guest ideas that we're working on for the future. So, um, thanks for your, for your input. We are absolutely listening. So you guys, um, all, everything we talked about, every single thing will be over on the transcript. I'll have all the links up for you. Um, and you can find out more. You can get Nicole's book and album, and I promise you, you will not regret it. So, okay, everybody have a great day. Thanks for joining me today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love.
We love you, our listeners, so we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.